Welcome everyone to another episode of DM Truth in Tech. I'm Mario Alvarado. And I'm Daniel Escalante. We are super glad you could join in on the conversation for Church Talk today. We ask that you could please subscribe and rate us and also follow us on Twitter with our Twitter handle DM Truth Tech. Don't forget to check out our website at dmtruthtech.org where you can find all of our podcast notes, recommendations, and any of our contact info. All right, so I think we have a good church talk today. We are going to be talking about the myths of church traditions, and we are going to try and debunk them. What do you think, bro? Sounds good. I'm very excited for this, and an emphasis on try, right? <laughs> a huge emphasis on try. <laughs> Hopefully, we don't come out saying bigger heresies, but I, no, I'm just I don't think that's going to happen. But no, no, not well, at all. But the thing is, is like these myths that we're going to be talking about are so ingrained, like even in within us. And so yes. it takes a good deal of like self-awareness uh, to even get to the point where you can even like start questioning these things. Because like you said, it, we feel that that there are actual vi- Bible verses that support these myths or these traditions. Like mm-hmm. if we would ask someone, they would say, oh, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's in the Bible somewhere. And we're going to show you that they're not, you know, um, mm-hmm. and maybe give maybe give some background on where they came from in some cases so uh let's just get right to it right let's go myth number one introduce us bro bring the first one yeah yeah okay so myth number one um and this is one that you know people are a stickler for but the myth is that the order of the liturgy has to always stay the same no changes are can ever be introduced the order of service always has to be the same. That's the first myth we're going to talk about. Man, can can we ex- emphasize this one enough? I don't think so. I mean, I know, right? <laughs> everywhere you go, the liturgy is the exact same. I mean, you would think that by now they would have changed. It. I mean, obviously, it's not all churches, right? Let me. Yeah. Uh, again, we're not generalizing. But we are saying that in a lot of churches, it's like this, where they think that the liturgy, we're talking about like the order of the worship service, it's usually the same. Mm -hmm. It doesn't change. And a lot of times it doesn't change because people think that the order is actually biblical. Mm -hmm. They think that changing the order of the worship service is, is actually like defying God himself. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And oh. by order, like, I think what we're referring to, right, is like that it always starts, you know, Sabbath school, 930 in the morning, then, you know, goes into like the main service at 11 o'clock. Maybe there's like a little bit of an introduction there where, you know, we have the doxology playing, the elders and the pastor walk in, you know, they take their seats on the platform. And, you know, we try to have the speaker all be done by 130 at the latest and then lunch right afterwards. Yeah. That's exactly what we're talking yeah. about. That's, that's typically what it is. And, you know, like we're saying, um, that is something that is the same everywhere we go. And we've even seen it um, in our experience and stories that I've heard that even when missionaries go into other countries, this is the kind of order that they try to establish when it comes to church. Mm. That it starts in the morning and then, you know, so it almost... Even more so, it makes it so that even other cultures sometimes might have to go through a bit of a culture shock or learn something totally new. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I think it just presents some challenges. That's just one area where it's a challenge. But 
the fact that it stays the same is and that we, we're taking issue with the fact that there's it seems like people don't want to change it in any way. And we, it, we're just asking, like, why not? Exactly. And, and it's not that we're saying that you have to change it. It's just saying if there is a call to change and the change is is healthy, um, then you should do it. So, for example, if you want to say that the Bible teaches that order, I mean, you're wrong. When we see in the Bible order of worship, we usually go and we should go to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, uh, mm-hmm. verses 26 and on, because that's where it talks about the order of worship. But you will see that it looks almost nothing like what we do today. The order of worship that Paul is, is advocating, True. the order of worship that Paul is talking yeah. about. So Yeah, even the elements within that uh, first service, you know, were, were very different from what we have today. Exactly. And I think that the main thing is that Paul says everything, uh, he says it actually in verse 26, I actually pulled it up right here. It says everything must be done so that the church may be built up. I think that's the main principle right there. So... If the church is not being built up, then maybe you need to change that liturgy, right? Maybe you need to change mm-hmm. that order and do things a little bit different. Um, we, talk, we talked about, like, doing it at 11 a.m. Like, bro, culture today, like, some people are trying to sleep in on Saturday. They're trying to rest. And we've mentioned this in other podcasts before, but, you know, waking up early, you, everyone's stressed. You barely get a bite out of a bagel in the morning no family <laughs> eats together and then everyone runs off to church right all mad yeah and yeah and and then maybe maybe you should change it why don't you do it at your service at three o'clock my, my wife actually is pastoring a church um mm-hmm. a church plant and their service is at 4 p.m so yeah wow. lucky lucky her but no, yeah. I'm just playing. no, no, but it's, it's just a way of looking into the culture, right? And there's nothing exactly. written in stone or even in the Bible that says it has to start at 11 or it has to start. That. Anyway, that's myth number one. Um, exactly, yeah. Uh, and the liturgy, the order. You can take things out. You can put some other stuff in. People don't got to go in the front and sit down. You know, if uh, there's some churches that still have that big old Pope chair right down the middle. You know oh, that. yeah, the throne. <laughs> <laughs> the throne, bro. Some churches don't have the throne where the pastor sits, yeah. right? Because Or yeah. where the preacher or speaker sits. Um, that's fine. Again, when it's not like we're, uh, maybe I shouldn't be laughing, but it, it, we, what, what makes it funny is not so much that they use it, but they think that it has to happen, you know? Exactly. Yeah. If you try to change out that chair for a different one, say, you know, one that's, you know, one of those plastic folding chairs or something. Yeah. Um, you know, automatically it becomes Uh-oh. like a thing because it's yeah. like, no, you know, it can't be, you know, it can't nope. just be those chairs. Those chairs, I don't know, aren't holy enough or something. Um, <laughs> it has to be like fancy chairs up at the top. Has to look and like a throne, I, I don't bro. know. That's just something that's always made me a little bit uncomfortable. Um, yeah. Just because, you know, I, I don't know. I, it just feels like, it just feels like a throne. You know, I don't know how else to better explain that experience. Um, Bro, and to that, me, that is something that I just feel the furthest from when I am up there. You know what I mean? Bro, I feel uncomfortable being up there, period. That's true. I'm, <laughs> I mean, I'm not even talking about like when I'm speaking, right? Or when I'm preaching. I'm mm-hmm. talking about when I'm just sitting there throughout the preliminaries and all the little order. And I'm sitting up mm-hmm. there just like staring at like, what, what do I look at? Like, do I look at the people? Do I mean... Of course, I'm being a little bit sarcastic. Usually when I'm up there, I try to, you know, have a, I have a spirit of worship. I'm closing my eyes. Mm-hmm. That's usually what I do. But yes, I yeah. just feel there's no need in being up there. 
Mm-hmm. Like, I don't even have to come up there. It's okay if people don't go up there. It's okay if they walk up. You know, there's no set rule saying that they have to go up and, and you know, the 24 elders sit in the front and, and, and you know, start singing and doing all this. You know, you could go one up at a time while you're doing whatever you're doing, and, and that, that could be mm-hmm. fine, too, you know? Anyway. Yeah. Myth number one. Let's go to myth number two. All right. Um, myth number two. We have this idea that being silent is being reverent or that reverence is equal to silence. And so uh, the biggest areas that you'll probably see this, um, at least in my mind, in my opinion, you'll see this when you maybe you have like kids, you know, maybe they're being a little bit loud. Yeah. And, you know, parents or elders, you know, will silence them. But their reason will be that you have to be reverent. All right. Yep. So the message there is that in order when you're in the sanctuary, when you're in church in general, yep. you have to be reverent. And yep. the way to be reverent is to be silent. Yeah. And that is what we're going to talk about right now, because I believe that silence is not uh, the same as being reverent. Oh, no. And and the Bible believes that, too. I mm-hmm. mean, we it, it's not an issue of, you know, whether it, I mean. We give our opinion here, right? Of course, this chan- mm-hmm. this um, podcast is about us giving our, you know, two cents, I guess, and, and, and wanting you guys to join in the conversation and stuff like that. But it's also a matter of, like, what, what does the Bible say, right? Yeah. And when we talk about reverence, we always hit that key text. Mm-hmm. That key text, which is uh, Habakkuk uh, 220. Mm-hmm. Um, in, 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 in Spanish, it's, I mean, I know it by memory because it would, it's always quoted when we talk about reverence, bro. <laughs> yes. Always quoted when we talk about reverence, you know, uh, Jehová está en su santo templo, calle delante de él toda la tierra, right? Mm-hmm. Every yes, single yeah. time you, I mean, I think there's every single Hispanic deacon and, 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 and deaconess or usher knows that you know the lord mm-hmm. is in his holy temple let all the earth be silent before him mm-hmm. out of context like when <laughs> this myth has already been debunked not by us but by like many theologians yes many yeah. sermons already like we're probably just repeating the same thing this myth is already this verse is not talking about being silent and that means reverence this is actually god making a statement and he's telling Habakkuk, who's, uh, I think God is a little bit upset by this, by this dialogue he's having with Habakkuk. Mm-hmm. And he's saying, hey, dude, if I, say it, if I say it's this way, it's this way. All people just simply need to, like, stay quiet, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's more like a saying, right, than, than an order about the, the, how quiet we should be in a temple, at least if we keep it in context. Yes, exactly. And we use that to shut people up in church. We use that to, um, we use that to say we can't use drums. We use mm-hmm. that to say that we can't. Bro, I've seen people that they don't even like. They say that getting up and greeting each other is irreverent. I don't know if you heard about that before. I have, yes, yeah, and that is a very common um, uh, idea going around right now as well. Um, there's also in past uh, stories where early churches, when they were trying to practice this same principle Uh um they didn't even want to have singing in the worship service so it really was just the people would come into the service they would be as quiet as possible the speaker or the pastor would get up to preach and that was seen as the worship service 
but literally they would try to have no sound whatsoever. Bro, there's a de- of- there's a denomination that still does that. I do not. I forgot the name. Mm-hmm. But I remember we were out with the worship team uh, when I was out back in Kansas City. And at Guitar mm-hmm. Center, I met this kid. He was playing the piano. He was so mm-hmm. good, dude. Like, he was so good. You know how at Guitar Center, you go and mess around with the instruments? Yes, yeah. And we were getting, like, an electric bass. We were getting some of these things for the praise band. Mm-hmm. And he was just playing, like a young kid, like, playing, going off. But I was like, dude. And, and so um, we went up to him and, like, bro, you play good, you know? And he's like, oh, they appreciate it. And then we're like, you know... We started talking to him. Anyway, what he told us is that he he was part of a church. And we said, oh, so you play for your church. And he said, oh, no, no, our church believes that we shouldn't have instruments because in the New Testament there was no instruments. So we just use zero instruments. Um, in, in Wow. Now, th- wow. Uh, they're not referring to the one you say is zero music, right? Like no singing at all. That's what they're yes, like, yeah. zero. Yes. But these guys... Yeah. At least they sing, they just don't use instruments because they think it's a little too irreverent and there was no instruments in the New Testament. So, yeah, they're just not mm-hmm. going to use it. And this guy's talent was like, what's up, was off the charts, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Like, we were like, oh, okay, cool. No, yeah, we invited him to our church. So, we were like, dude, hopefully he gets to come and he gets to use his talents over here. Anyway, didn't happen. But point is, we live in a, a time and age where there's still churches thinking that silence. You know, you know that saying? People say a lot in our Hispanic churches and in other churches, too. They say, have you ever walked into a Catholic church and know how silent it is? They oh, know. Yes. They know what reverence is. They know the true meaning of reverence. And I'm just sitting here thinking, do we know what true reverence is? You know? <laughs> exactly. Because just because they're silent doesn't mean they're reverent. Exactly. You could be silent and your mind can be way off just thinking about what you're going to do or what the game is, what's happening in the game tomorrow. Um, mm. And that's being irreverent. That's true. Yeah. So you can be you can be silent, but still irreverent in character. There you go. There you go. Mm. You can. That's hey, deep. hey, you, you can, guys can quote that. Yeah, please quote it and tweet it <laughs> and don't give uh, give me credit and let it go viral. I'm just <laughs> playing, dude. Who cares about that? Anyway. There you go. No, you could be silent and you could be displaying your character of 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 envy, of jealousy or 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 rudeness, you know. There's ushers mm-hmm. and deacons that talk rude to people and like, "Hey, you need to be quiet. You know, this is the house of the Lord." They're mm-hmm. being more irreverent than the other people. I just let you know that much. Like they're being more irreverent because their character is not reflecting the person they're worshiping. Mm, it's not wow. reflecting the character of the one they claim to be worshiping in that moment. So exactly, anyway, yeah. Anyway, boom, yeah. debunked, debunked. Hopefully we yes. debunked it, right? Hopefully. Yeah. Well, <laughs> just really quick before we move on to the next one, but yeah. I just want to say that um, I wanted to add that the point of this passage, uh, we emphasize the wrong point, right? We emphasize the silent part when really like the point of this passage was to, like God was saying that he has a message that he wants his people to hear, mm. right? So mm. that yeah. the emphasis should be on the listening part. Boom. It's not so much that we need to be silent uh, and not make a sound. It's so it's it's more it's speaking more towards like an attitude of God is about to speak, so we need to be in an attitude of listening, and Boom. we can't listen if we're speaking. Okay. And so, um, so the idea is just to pay attention to what God is about to say. So something that a professor of mine suggested would be that that doxology where the Lord is in his holy temple let all the earth keep silent, that song would probably fit better if it was right before the sermon. The sermon, yes. Exactly. Yes. 
Yes, right so, before yeah, the sermon. So, yeah, that would be my encouragement is, like, if you guys are in a church right now, try it out and see what happens. You know, and if you, I, I feel like if we explain that to people, um, I think it has the power to impact the service at that moment in a totally different way. Maybe people oh, will yeah. be even more receptive to the message because, you know, it's getting them into that mindset the oh, same yeah, way that for sure. Habakkuk was, you know, getting people ready for the, for God's message. Yeah, 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 yeah definitely. Yeah. Awesome. Daniel bringing yeah. some power down. So uh, yeah, anyways, write that <laughs> one down. Tweet that one out. All right. All right. Yeah. Myth Next number myth. three. So this is, uh, man, this is a tough one too. But the idea is, the myth is that you can't just come as you are. You have to look the part. You have to look right before you can come. Boom. Now, to just so we can, I think to be fair, I think a lot of churches have grown on this one. I've seen a lot of growth coming True. on this one, right? Compared yeah, to how compared to how we were like back in the '90s or '80s or even be way before that, right? Where church was more of the exclusive. I mean, it's still an exclusive club in a lot of places. But I think to be fair, a lot of churches have changed this attitude. Having said that, man, there's still a lot of churches, man, that you, that you get stared down, that you just you know some some young person will come in and they'll they'll get the you know cut your hair. Thing right before they leave church, or 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 mm. someone comes wearing their jeans and be like, "Hey, save up for a suit or a tie," and it's like, "Oh man, nah, 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 nah." I mean, we need to get on the. We need to understand that this "come as you are" is a biblical thing, right? Mm-hmm. It's 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 God is in the business of transforming people. Remember, we we keep we say this, and I think it's oversaid that we're a hospital mm-hmm. and not a club where you know. An exclusive, we're perfect people type of club. It's more like, exactly. hey, we're messed up. We've come, we've came as we are to, to let God do His work in our lives, and we let we do that together. And we understand that everyone's journey is different, and mm-hmm. we are allowing God to work in each person in their timing and in His timing. Um, exactly. Let's love each other, right? Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think that one definitely is a myth where you need to come looking right. You need to already come, you know, good. You can't look bad. You need to, quote unquote, look Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, that, that's a myth. Debunked. Exactly. Yeah. So myth number four. Uh, this is also a pretty touchy one, but the myth goes that there should not be any instruments in worship. Yeah. Now, I, there's like I said, yeah. Remember, I told you about that. I mentioned that church that has that, but that's not an Adventist church. That's another denomination. Um, mm, okay. In my experience, I haven't gone to any Adventist church that feels this, that has says this, has said this. I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. there is. I don't know if you're in your experience, you've seen this. Um, I do know there's churches who are exclusive on certain instruments. Mm-hmm. That they say these instruments are good and these instruments are bad. Um, and I think that's a myth also to say that only some instruments can be or should be used in worship. Mm-hmm. Mm, I, I mean, yeah. biblically, you're not going to find that. And not, yeah. not, not even in Elegy White, to be honest. Yeah, true. Um, I was actually I found a quote by her. Um, I have to get where it comes from because this was just in one of my professor's uh, slides. 
And so before he moved or before I could write down like the reference, uh, you know, uh, he moved on to another slide. And so I couldn't get exactly where it comes from. But I just thought it was really interesting that she had this council where she says in the meetings held, uh, let a number be chosen to take part in the song service and let the singing be accompanied with musical instruments skillfully handled. We go. are not to oppose the use of instrumental music in our work. Boom. This part of the service is to be carefully conducted for it is for it is the praise of God in song. I, I can't see it, bro. I just can't see it. How it is that in, in, in the Old Testament, they used as they use so many types of instruments and we're over here just like stuck like oh, no, only piano or only guitar acoustically or. Yeah, I understand. It's like we've gone backwards and then we exactly. use the Old Testament Again, this has to do, we'll talk about this, another myth. Eventually, it has to do with this, but <laughs> it has to do with interpreting the Old Testament as if it's right now. So, like, I know in the Old Testament, the instru certain instruments were in certain parts of the temple or the sanctuary, mm -hmm. and certain instruments were not played in certain parts. Yeah. But, but that's all ceremonial stuff. We don't do that anymore. Exactly. Th that cannot and should not apply to today. The New Testament church didn't work that way. They, they, they worked differently than the sanctuary rituals that existed because Jesus had basically fulfilled all of them. Mm. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a myth, definitely. To say that only mm -hmm. certain instruments are used. No, even LGY says use them. The only thing is use them right. Correct. Exactly. Yeah. Use them skillfully. And this means, you know, open up your doors to those like that young person that you mentioned earlier that has the talent, you know, and can handle these instruments. You know, she says, like, use them in the worship service. Use mm -hmm. them when we're singing songs mm -hmm. because it is all for the praise of God. So yes, definitely. And I think the Bible also, you know, I'm looking I'm thinking of Ephesians chapter five, verse 19. Yeah. You know, there's so many verses that talk about, um, you know, singing um, songs and, you know, things like that, but also using instruments too as part of it. Yeah. And, and how about I, um, I added, let's add this little myth for a mm -hmm. type of thing that it, it kind of ties into this one. And you just mm -hmm. mentioned Ephesians 519 where it says speaking to one another in Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. Uh, this other myth that you can only sing hymns. You heard this one, right? Mm, yes, yeah, I've heard this one as well. Like only hymns are allowed to be sung at, at church services, and we should only sing yes. hymns. Um, it, you'd be surprised how many people still believe this. And I know there are speakers out there who are trying to make a case in point to prove this. You cannot mm -hmm. prove this biblically. You cannot prove this with the spirit of prophecy. It is a myth debunked. It's not only, I mean, the Bible says, Psalms, hymns, and, and songs. And then the Psalms say, sing a new song. Mm. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that that's a myth, right? Only yeah, hymns. exactly, definitely. Now, I will agree that when it comes to hymns, I think we do need um, to modernize our hymn choices a little bit more. You know, we have, we've had the same hymnal for so long already. We <laughs> definitely need creators in this area, you know, to create new hymns for us you know, that are just as theologically sound, that have uh, more modern tunes uh, to sing along with, uh, with even more modern lyrics, too. Yeah. So I would say that uh, to any creator listening, um, this would be an excellent opportunity if you're thinking of, well, you know, I want to get creative, but I don't know where. Um, and if your talents are musically inclined, 
Uh, our church is in desperate need, I think, of new hymns. And so this would be a great way to get into it. Oh, yeah. Please. We definitely need that. We're always looking to other denominations, right? Um, yes. And it's funny because yeah. a lot of the hymns, people that advocate for the hymnal and say, no, we should only send hymns from the hymnal. And it's like, mm-hmm. bro, like more than half of those aren't from our denomination anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's true. And you're over here saying that I, I don't get it. But um, point in case. Yeah. Only hymns. Yeah. That's, that's a myth. Debunked. All right, so myth number five um, is that evangelism has to happen weekly, if I understood that correctly. Yeah, or that like only it has to happen in a matter of seven days, or yeah. I mean, mm, okay. Yeah, you know how like you know we still do evangelism it has to be seven days every day at seven p.m. or seven thirty. Some churches will get a break like on Thursdays. Um, but oh, it's that's right. Yes, yeah. But, but it's I see usually, what you're saying. Yeah, but it's usually, it has to be like a, you can't do evangelism any other way, and you have to have like a week of series. Like, yes, yeah. So that kind of goes into like what we mentioned earlier. You know, the order of the liturgy, the order of evangelism is kind of the same way, where there is a specific method to do it, where it's you know you launch a week long series, um, you give people a break, you know, maybe one day out of the week. But uh, and you reward those that come every single night. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. The right? gifts, and the so raffles. Like, and so it makes it seem. But it's you know, we we miss the sometimes I feel like we miss a point that not everybody can commit to seven days, 14 days every single night. Yeah. And I think uh, in many cases, it's even led to the idea that the people that don't commit to coming every single night. Oh, well, maybe they're just not that interested or maybe they're just not that committed. Or they're not that committed. <laughs> um, which is not the case. You know, they're, everybody has a story. Every And especially when it comes to evangelism, everybody is fighting a battle. And we have to be um, more aware of that battle. Bro, but... And I, so yeah. I... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. We have to... Be, we're not aware of the battles that we've... The battles that are being fought today maybe are a little bit different or or in the way they're being fought at least... Because sin has mm-hmm. been around all around, right? I understand that. And sin is always a battle. But in how that battle comes to be has changed throughout the years. Yeah. And and I know that be, I, I still hear people be like, um, in our days, you know, we had evangelisms for 30 days straight. I don't know if you heard that before. I have, yes. I'm thinking. Oh, I still can't wrap my head around it. N- but yeah. <laughs> bro, I'm thinking, okay, that's good. That's great. That's awesome. Um, definitely not going to work today. <laughs> I mean, <Yeah. laughs> or maybe <laughs> in some all. parts of the world it might work still. Yeah. I agree. What The point we're trying to make here is that there's not just a one-way street here of how to do evangelism. Exactly. That's our point. Exactly. If a week, exactly, yeah. yeah. If a week works in your area, then, you know, great. Um, that's great, but it doesn't have to be. I mean, and I know there's a lot of, you know, there's some people who would advocate for, no, this still works. Okay, it's st- I think it mm-hmm. still works. But if you put in all that money that you spend on that, on a speaker, that the money you spend on the speaker, the money you spend on promoting it, the, the energy, the volunteers, if you somehow use that in a more creative way, I think you probably would get more results than what you would get in a week of evangelism. Yeah. That's that's what I'm saying. So I'm not saying it doesn't Definitely, produce yeah. results. I'm just saying, hey, with the same amount of money that we invest, same amount of energy and same amount of time, maybe in mm-hmm. different ways, maybe we'd get more more um, results. I don't know. That's just the thing. But exactly. anyway, that yeah. to say that it has yeah. to be that way, that's a myth. Debunked. 
Exactly. So myth number six, uh, we've devoted uh, uh, episodes to this topic, but the idea is that pastors are like priests. And so if you yeah. want to see uh, that in more detail, we've definitely talked about it in a previous episode. I believe it's in season one. Yeah. But the idea is just that we treat pastors and we put them on this pedestal of being like priests. Yeah. Every and comparison so is like Old Testament priests. that comes, yeah, with, you know, some kind of like really high respect, really high expectations, um, maybe even like what they say is law. And that's how we treat it. Um, that is also a myth. Yeah, uh, the way that we view pastors and their roles is we do see them as leaders, but at the same time they are not the same as priests, and um, yeah, and they shouldn't be treated like that. And that's kind of, and and then the problem with like women being pastors and stuff like that kind of comes in with that too, because they say, well, there was no women priests in the Old Testament, and it's like, well, there was also no male priest in the New Testament. Yeah. What? <laughs> so what? <laughs> you know? Yeah, there's no female <laughs> exactly. priest. In well, there was no male priest. There's only one priest in the New Testament that is a valid <laughs> priest, and that's Jesus, period. Yeah. So, yeah. So yeah, anyway, anyway, you guys, we, we encourage you guys to go listen because we talk about the sanctuary, that, which is actually part of myth number seven, right? Yes, yeah. Myth number seven talks about that the church building is like the same, is the same as the sanctuary of the Old Testament. Yeah, 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 definitely. I mean, that is a myth. When you treat the church building as a sanctuary of the Old Testament, um, no. I mean, we encourage you, go check that mm -hmm. podcast out. And, um, you you know, we believe it's in season one, like you said. Uh, it's talking mm -hmm. about uh, how we compare the church to sanctuary, something like that. Um, mm -hmm. And But it, I, I believe we broke, we dedicated the whole podcast to talk about this and the the challenges that we face when we misinterpret it like this and we believe this myth. Mm -hmm. But anyway, exactly. Yeah, it's not. Church yeah. is not like church building today cannot be compared and should not be compared to the to the sanctuary mm -hmm. back then. Debunked. Exactly. We believe that the church is the people and yes. we need to, you know, reorganize our thoughts to Boom. better reflect that. Yes. For sure. Yeah. Okay. So myth number eight, we're wrapping up now. Uh AY has to be on Saturday and at the church building. Oh, bro, like, yeah, I used to be one of those advocates, too. Like, hey, nobody comes to AY, and, you know, we're forcing it down people. Like, yeah. we're shoving it in their face. Like, oh, you don't come to AY, you must not love Jesus. Like, mm. and then sometimes AY is not even AY. When we talk about AY, in case, you know, it's such a hovenist. It's the Adventist Youth Society program, right? Yes, yeah. Um, that's what AY refers to. It's a youth program that has been happening for many days. And I know, like, a lot of churches boast saying, oh, we have AY and other churches don't have AY. And it's like, yeah, how many young adults do you have in your AY? Probably like none. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. How many engaged teenagers do you have at your AY? Mm -hmm. And they'll, they'll probably say, oh, we have teenagers and stuff like that. Yeah, but how many of them are engaged? Most of them don't even care about it because it's usually just a program for adults. Exactly. And, yeah. sometimes and I think the, that's where, you know, the big uh, problem has come in is that AY was started by youth and for youth. Yeah. It, and the boom. issue is, is that like, yeah, somewhere along the way, it was that control or, you know, maybe even comes from the fact that we are not letting our youth lead in the way that they are being called to or that the, mm. or the way that they would like. Yeah. And oh, yeah. so I think for if sure. we want to see any kind of change in AY, uh, where more youth are engaged, 
I think that we need to let go of that control a little bit and be willing to let the youth, in, in essence, give it back to the youth and let them lead in the way that they would like with, of course, guidance and, you know, encouragement along the way. Oh, yeah, for sure. But, yeah. Uh, but that's the that's the role that we need to play is more of mentors when it comes to AY rather than telling them, OK, this is how you do it. This is the only way to do it. Um, because otherwise, like what you were, what you have said before in previous episodes is that it's just become a reflection of the adult program, yep. just branded with youth. Yep. Yep. That's exactly what it is. And then the other myth is that it has to happen at the church building. Mm-hmm. Like we have to have a Y or we have to have the program happening in the afternoon. If we don't have a program happening in the afternoon, then we're not fulfilling God's will. No, it is not a myth. I mean, sorry, it's a myth. <laughs> it is a myth. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a tradition. AY can happen any time of the week. Maybe maybe you want to get together Friday nights. Maybe you want to get to or maybe you want together want to get together on Saturday and you just want to go out in nature. You don't have to do something at mm-hmm. the building. Um, if the adults want to get together and do a program, then let them. But don't force the youth to do something according to what you guys want to see and then, you know, kind of force them and and involve them. Because like you said, some AYs are by the youth, but they're not for youth. They're for adults. They're by the youth for adu- exactly. for the adults. Or or exactly. some AYs are by adults for adults. Um, yeah. So you, you like you said, the main point is by the youth for the youth. That's that's the point. And it doesn't have to be in the building. You can go out in nature. You can go on hikes. You can go and enjoy the Saturday together as families with the youth. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it's a myth that it has to happen. In the church building, um, there's nothing that says that. Anyway, I think we're just popping like we're just having conversation starters, right? We don't have time to go through each one with so much detail. Exactly. Yeah, each one of these could be like uh, an episode. Uh, yeah, because there's so much intricacies that go into it. Uh, oh, but yeah, yeah, we just wanted to you know touch on the highlights and just say you know what these are the some of the things the most common things that we deal with. Um, you know, this is what they're about and. These are some of the areas that could definitely change um, in our churches. Exactly. So um, we're going to start wrapping up here. And the reason why we talked about these and basically debunked them as much as we could is because, I mean, when you follow these and you have them as if they, they're rules that can't be changed, it, it affects the church, right? It affects the growth of the church. It affects the people of the church who are the church, actually. Um we end up making too many rules that are not actually rules. They're not actually principles from the Bible. And they become like the focus of our religion. A lot of these have become the focus. Like, that's what exactly. we emphasize. We emphasize that. That's, it's, you know, it's all about the rule. It's all about the reverence. It's, you know, we can't move this, you know, worship service around because this is the way it's supposed to be. And then we affect the way we do church and we affect even people's lives, believe it or not. Um, so uh, you create passionless worship services. You, exactly. You, you're doing programs for youth that are so irrelevant to them or their lives or the spiritual growth or the spiritual journeys. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a whole bunch of things. That's the reason why we're mentioning them. And some people have left church because of the, the way we do church, because we mm-hmm. overemphasize these rules that are man-made rules. They're traditions that... I mean, they're not inherently bad, but they, if, if, if your church is being called to change them, the opportunity should 
be there to change them. It should be, you know, to to be allowed to change them, that opportunity should be there, should be present. And when people exactly. don't allow for that, it creates issues and creates problems. Exactly, exactly. So anyway, that's pretty much what we have for this um, week's episode. I don't know if you want to finish off, bro. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, just thank you everyone for joining us. Um, you know, I know that these are challenging issues that many of you are probably dealing with. Uh, but be encouraged. You know, things can change. Yes. Um, it oh, just yeah. takes a little bit of tact, intentionality. And, um, you know, overall, we still love, this, in spite of these challenges, you know, we still love being in the church and we still love um, what we do. Yes. And, um, yes. Yeah, we just, yeah, be encouraged and, you know, feel free to check out our website. Um, all of these notes will be posted up there so that you guys uh, can have for your reference. Perfect. Well, appreciate you guys we'll, we hope you guys have a great weekend and happy saturday and we'll catch you guys next week peace All right.